think about the pieces of people-pleasing that will take more from me, it's, in some way, it starts to be a little bit debilitating and it breeds that fear and anxiety and like, do I know what I'm doing? Do I know what I want? Am I enough of a person to be able to satisfy this? Welcome to The Signal Podcast, the podcast that raises your frequency. I'm Maury Fontanez, purpose coach to some of the leading voices in our culture today, from top CEOs to Hollywood stars, best-selling authors to world-class artists. In coaching these incredible humans, one truth has become abundantly clear. No matter who we are, we all carry pain, joy, and the desire to feel connected to a sense of purpose. This podcast is my way of extending some of the powerful lessons of my proven method to you so that hopefully you too can be inspired to heal the white noise of your limiting beliefs and tune into the signal of your intuitive wisdom. Welcome to Signal. Today you're joining me for a session with Carrie. Carrie is a leader in corporate communications that works on the agency side, and she is juxtaposing that by leaning into what she calls the nomad lifestyle, living out of her van and traveling from state to state to get a sense of adventure in her life. And today she wants to explore how she can balance being a helper or sometimes a people pleaser with learning to trust herself and her own truth over other people's opinions. Hey, Signal listeners, a couple quick disclaimers before we get started. Maury is not a licensed therapist, and this is not a therapy session. Intuition and purpose coaching with Maury is usually a six-month process, and what you're about to hear is just a snippet of what these sessions sound like. That said, this is a real coaching session with real people featuring real strategies that Maury uses in her method. All right, let's get to today's episode. So Carrie, let's just start with, give me a brief intro of yourself. This would just be the way that anyone would describe you a little bit about yourself right now. Yes. Okay. A little bit about myself. So I'm a born and raised Texan who spent the last 15 years in the Pacific Northwest. During the pandemic, I after a hundred days in Seattle, I got a little lonely. And so I came to Texas where I have been for the last two years. I'm, I'm a bit of a nomad right now. I'm in currently my guest, my cousin's guest bedroom in Austin. And I bought a van about a year ago and have been kind of traveling up and down the West Coast trying to figure out, I think, what I want out of my life and how to prioritize that versus like being a slave to the office job that I have had for you know, the bulk of my career. And how can we describe your career? Would you say you're an executive? How? What's a good way to describe what you do? Yeah, I would say I'm in corporate communications. Like I'm certainly a leader amongst leaders, but I've been working with the same client for 15 years. I've, I know that business in and out. I am very, very vested in what they do. Yeah, I think a, like a leader in the communication space on the agency side is... yeah maybe worth calling out. In an hour or so from now, when we end this session, what do you want to say that you have some clarity on? I feel very much like the mantras that you kind of instill on how to decouple emotion and intuition play a lot into what I experience day to day as it relates to like being my true self and owning 
who it is that I am, what it is that I want, and not letting my helperness, people pleaser mentality, things that are core to me, kind of cloud who I deem, you know, to kind of cloud my value or my worth. Like I really struggle with that piece. And I would love for you to offer me some sort of guidance on how to either address that or learn to live with it in a way that's not debilitating, but more something that we can kind of build upon in the future, because it's a core foundational part of who I am is that I want to be a helper. I want to work with people that, and help them build and help build them up. But I struggle with wanting to be seen in a way that is Mm -hmm. building to like, is kind of a growth mindset for all of us versus being shut down by what other people's opinions of me are. Like, how do I get to a point where it's not about what you think of me? Cause I know I have self-worth and value and I know what I bring to the table, but that's not always, you're not always working with people who are of the like build you up buttercup kind of mind. You know what I mean? Like I've, you talked yes, a little I bit do. about Absolutely. this. I know I, I reached out to you at one point, like how do you deal with people's shadow selves trying to rain down on your parades? Like that's, I get a lot of that in my day-to-day life and in my day-to-day work. And it's hard to know that that does not define me. Yeah. Beautiful. I think that's a really good thing to focus on. Let's start with something I want to ask you. Tell me the difference between being a helper on one side and a people pleaser. Can you be both? I think they're different. I I don't know. I kind of feel like being a helper is helping bring somebody else's vision to life. And being a people pleaser is just about pleasing people regardless of what that vision is. So I feel like being a helper often comes with this bigger vision, purpose, agenda that I'm on board with versus people pleasing, which is just you are someone that I need to want to like and that I want to like me. And I will do what you say to try and get that. So I. And would you describe yourself as both? Yes, I would. But now that we talk about it, I kind of would say I want to be more of a helper than a people pleaser. I want to be less of a people pleaser and more of a helper. But I do think I currently have both of those tendencies. I just kind of over, I mix them a lot. Yeah. Well, let me tell you the difference because there's a huge boundary between the two. A helper is about other people. A people pleaser is about yourself. So if you visualize what I'm saying, as a helper, your motivation, your intention is to make the lives of those around you better in some way. Where the boundary gets crossed into people-pleasing is when we are trying to make the people around us better in some way because what we crave in return is the validation from them that we are valuable. Right. I see the distinction. You didn't have me at the beginning, but you got me there. I'm zoning in on that with you because everything you're asking me about learning to trust your intuition over the opinions of others and wanting to have a dynamic both at work and in life where you can trust yourself and let go of the shadow aspects of other people, all of that, those are like branches and the root of all of that is people-pleasing because This desire to get filled and fulfilled by how other people view you, to derive your own value based on how they value you, is driving all of your decisions and actions. And so what I'm guessing is, based on that, you 
have a hard time with boundaries. You have a hard time telling people no. You probably work too much. Is that true? Uh, yes, all of the above, I would say. Okay. Yeah. And so one of the reframes that I want you to start to really think about when you get into this desire, when you, let me ask you this before I actually give you the reframe. What happens when you can sense, I need to please this person right now? What's the story in your head? Can you sense it when it's coming? I do feel like I can sense it when it's coming. I often also feel like they're not even asking me to. I just go there. Like my instinct is to just be that before they even know to ask. You know what I mean? Like I beat them to the punch. Yes. Yeah. And what does it feel like when that part of you, that aspect comes forward? What is she like? What is she saying? What's the story she's telling? I think it depends on what it is, right? If it's something that I know I can do and do easily, like I jump to it and I have, I feel joy in the fact that like, I got this, I'm on top of it. I know what I'm doing. I'm here. I can get there before. If I think about the pieces of people pleasing that are, that will take more from me, it's in some way it starts to be a little bit debilitating and it breeds that fear and anxiety in like, do I know what I'm doing? Do I know what I want? Am I enough of a person to be able to satisfy this? Yeah. It kind of depends on what and who's coming at me. Can you think of an example, a story, and you don't have to give names or details. When is the last time you feel that your boundaries were not respected and that you yourself overextended yourself, your own boundaries to please someone? It could be at work. What's an example of, is there a story that comes to mind? The story actually that comes to mind is personal more so than professional, which is surprising. Okay. To myself to think about. Um, I am living at my cousin's house in his guest room a lot of times. And there's a lot that he, I mean, he is a single dad, has a lot going on where he is in need of help. And I feel in large part, like I can be an easy person to help, right? I can unload the dishwasher. I can fold the laundry. Like I can do some things to help a single dad who's in need of help. Uh, And I want to play that role. It's in my nature to want to play that role. Where I feel like the boundary sometimes is getting crossed is in, you know, with being around a lot comes the ability to have conversations about what it is that I am struggling with, what I'm looking for, what I want out of life. And I feel like I hear myself sharing how I'm feeling and taking what he gives back to me as what I should be feeling. And so I feel there's an, I don't know if this is the best example, but I feel there's a little bit of like, my people pleasing nature has put me in some scenarios and situations where I know I can bring value to others, but I'm letting that boundary be crossed because I'm taking what they give back to me. He gives back to me as, you know, give it's giving, giving credence to something, yeah, to something that maybe shouldn't have. And so he talks about how, where I should be, like, I should be living in Austin. I should quit my job. I should sell my house like in Seattle and move back here so I can be here and help him. And like, we can do this more. And, I've started to think about whether or not that's actually what I want or if it's just what he wants and I want to be helpful. And so maybe it's what I want, but maybe it's not what I want. And so that comes up with my family a lot, right? Where, cause I'm here, cause I'm engaging, you know, and I used to be gone for 15 years. I was much further away. So now that I'm in closer proximity to them, the ability to be helpful is, is there, but their desires for me 
And then putting that on me feels like it's a boundary that's being crossed now that we talk about, now that we talk about that. Great. Perfect example. So I actually want to go right there. We're going to start talking about you as if you, well, not as if, you are a prism. You have multiple aspects to you. And so the way that I'm going to use language is to ask a certain aspect to step forward so we can understand that aspect and what it's doing exactly and what it's thinking and ultimately what it needs. So I want to ask in the dynamic with your cousin when you are speaking with him and then he tells you his opinion about what your life should look like, that aspect who says, yeah, what you're saying is right. What is she... What is the story she's telling you? Why is he more right than you are? What does she believe? I think she is currently struggling with whether or not he is right. I think when I when I go back to where I was a couple of months ago, it was like, of course, you're right. Like, that's right. But I've been on this journey to kind of find myself a bit more. And I've been listening to your podcasts and what you've posted on Instagram and trying to trust my own intuition a lot more. And I think she is now starting to question which is most important. So what I'm hearing is that's a different, that's a different aspect of you. That's actually your intuitive self coming through. Let's rewind. I want to look at the aspect who believed what he was saying was right. What's her story? She just wants to be loved. Literally, that's what it is. She just wants to be loved. What does she believe about having to concede her own thoughts and opinions in order to be loved. I mean, now you, you're pressing on something, right? That's really deep rooted because I think she believes that in order to be loved, you have to be what someone else needs versus being loved just for you and yourself. So I think that that's a lot of what that, what comes up. Carrie just mentioned that people-pleasing is something that causes some consternation in her life. And when I hear people-pleasing, that is my signal right there that we need to go find what version of Carrie at what age decided that people-pleasing was a good strategy for survival. For those of you that have been listening to this podcast, you know that we try to uncover strategies that we create at a younger age in order to survive. And what we're doing in this coaching is turning those survival strategies into strategies to thrive by rewriting the stories they create at such a young age. So it's important to hone in on exactly what that age is so that Carrie can begin to really visualize that aspect of herself at that age, being the one in the driver's seat, and really get to decide, is this the person at this age who should be making these decisions today or not? How long has she been with you? Can you remember a time that she didn't exist? I have this memory that's coming up, and it's like my grandmother and I sitting in a rocking chair, and I that that's like the most recent of memories and I'm I'm very young where I felt like I could be loved just for being myself mm-hmm. and so when I go to like I don't know what I don't know how old that you have to adapt to be loved person is but I can the one that comes up as like the most unique feeling of being loved is just for me and whoever I am and what I want what I want is 
really young, like six, five. Five or six, sitting with your grandmother. Mm-hmm. Does five or six, sitting with your grandmother, feel that way because she's in the presence of your grandmother? Is it your grandmother who makes her feel seen for who she is? I truly feel like my grandmother is the loudest person in my life who has ever championed that like you can march to the beat of your own drum, whatever that looks like, and it'll be fine. It'll be okay. And like, you're going to be great. I get that. It's yes. Like I love by my grandmother, but I have people that love me on a lot of levels, but I think she championed for me that it doesn't have to look like what it looks like for anybody else that she just loves me at my core for who I am. I think it's, yeah, I think it's kind of maybe a mix of like, it is my grandmother and that's a very grandmotherly type trait, but also she was a very special part of my life. Cause I think she saw me for just the unique and special little butterfly that I am and not, didn't try to put me in a box or lead me down a path or anything. Mm-hmm. I want to hold that visual cause we're actually going to come back to it. So we're just going to hold that right here on the side for a minute. And I want to kind of move the scene over parallel. So we have on the left side this visual of sitting with your grandmother at five or six and just feeling completely whole and at peace with who you are. Like there's nothing I need to do right now. I can just sit here and be adored. If that's on one end of the spectrum and we turn kind of to the other side of it, Can you name an experience that feels opposite to that from around the same time or after? It's older. It's in the like high school range, but there was, you know, a relationship where he wanted something that I didn't want. And then he didn't want that anymore. And then I wanted it more. So it was like, how can I then change to become what he wants now that he's changed his mind and I am trying to pursue that. So I think maybe that, I mean, that's a very, that's the first thing that came to my mind, but that's, I think that's an example of when I started to try to change who I was to get someone to like me. (laughs) And how old is she? She's like 15, 16. She's older. Which makes a lot of sense. Because that's what we do at 15 or 16, right? We're like, we're going to shift and change and whatever it takes. So so this aspect of you, going back to the story about your cousin, the one who fully believes his version of what your life should be, she's about 15 or 16. She hasn't fully caught up to present day. And this aspect of you probably shows up at work. It does. Because very brilliantly, yeah. The strategy she created to survive was to chameleon so other people would love her or to, you know, say yes when she meant no, whatever that might be. So she's the aspect. And the reason that I'm calling that out so specifically is because I want you to be able to develop a strategy that when that voice pops up that says, we should believe this person, we should do this thing. We should take on this extra project. We should let this person talk to us like this. That's a 15-year-old. And my question for you is, do you believe that she has all of the information and life experience necessary to make those decisions for you right now? 
No. Yeah. So one of the things that we need to do is develop a relationship with her where she can ease her hands off the steering wheel a little bit and let you get in the driver's seat. Because all she's trying to do is protect you. She just doesn't want you to experience isolation, loneliness, whatever story she's told about what she needs to do to get love. Now, I want to take you back to this sitting with your grandmother. Can we spend five minutes there together? Okay. So we're going to do a little bit of a visualization, and I promise it has a purpose to it, but we'll tie it all together when we come back out of it. I'm going to ask you to just make sure you have both of your feet planted on the ground, and you're just going to take three really deep breaths with me. You're going to close your eyes. We're just going to take really deep breaths all the way in, and when you push out, just we're going to push out every thought that has come up today. Just we're clearing space. One more deep breath in. And blow out every noisy thought. And then one more really deep breath. Fill your lungs. I'm going to ask you to guide us actually at first. Right now, as we look around, we're just seeing a green pasture. You don't have to do this verbally, but I want you to walk us over to your grandmother's house where the rocking chairs are. And as you get closer, we're going to see your grandmother and little five-year-old you rocking. Just let me know when we're there. Yeah. You're just going to pull up a seat and sit next to them. They can't really detect you quite yet. We're just going to sit in their presence and experience them rocking. How is little five-year-old feeling right now? She's feeling very playful, like Mm -hmm. kicking her feet on the chair, Mm -hmm. fueling the rocking. Mm -hmm. And as we look over to your grandmother looking at you, does she have any hopes or desires for you that you can feel? Don't feel like she's projecting anything Hmm. onto me. I feel like... She's just letting me be. Let me know when she registers that you're there. Yeah. Lots of pride. What is she so proud of? She's hitting me as super proud about your nomad journey the last couple of years. (laughs) Yeah. Why is she so proud of that? What is it about my choosing this adventure that makes you so proud? What does it say about me? Just put that question out there and let me know what you get back. It feels a little bit like there's, I can't quite get the words, but like it's something that she knew was there all along. Mm-hmm. There's a quality within you that she can see that made it possible for you to be so adventurous over the last couple of years that she's really proud of. What is that quality? Beyond being caring and loving, what else? What comes to mind is wild at heart. Mm-hmm. Adventurous. Yeah. Uh-huh. Wild at heart means that you really know yourself. Like you know your soul and what it desires. 
Does that resonate with what she's feeling? It does. Mm-hmm. That's what she's so proud of, the individuality that you project at such a young age while being loving. Before we go, and I really want you to sit with this for a minute, is there anything she wants to tell you about trusting other people over yourself? feel like she's trying to tell me that like I, my opinion about what I want in my life is valid and mm-hmm. I shouldn't let other people remove that, that I should trust that. Mm-hmm. Ask her, if I do that, will I be safe? I really want her to say just yes, but what she's mm-hmm. kind of telling me is that like what that looks like we'll figure it out. Like mm. it's risky, but the underlying theme is yes, but she's really what I'm getting is like whatever happens, we'll figure it out. Yes, but not the way you think. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If I do that, will I be loved? Yes. Resounding yes? Yes. Beautiful. I love that she added that. Okay. So I want you to ask if you can come back from time to time and sit here with the two of them. She says it would be her pleasure. Mm -hmm. Before you open your eyes, I want you to turn and walk back towards the pasture away from the house can take a look back and know that it's there and now we know how to get there and then take two deep breaths and on the second deep breath open your eyes for me geez maury (laughs) that was special (laughs) thank you of course and what an incredible woman so beautiful we just created a space for you to come back to this is the space where we're going to learn to trust ourselves. You know, in my method, I often like to introduce you to your higher self and make you feel what your intuition feels like. But the minute you talked about rocking on that porch with your grandmother, there's something about the energy of being there um, that's going to allow your higher self in and to be louder. And so rather than you focusing on you know, what does my intuition sound like? I want you to focus on spending time on that porch in that conversation because everything that you heard was her, but that was your intuition allowing you to hear her. So this is how your intuition is going to work with you right now. It's going to allow you into that space and to really feel that dialogue. It felt like it was happening, right? It did. It was happening. You didn't imagine it. Your intuition was the conduit to that. As we continue on this journey of learning to trust yourself, what your grandmother is going to help with, what this visualization is going to help with, is really grounding you in what it is about you that makes you so valuable, that makes you so trustworthy that makes you so intelligent about your own life decisions. And there's some clue we got with that wild stallion 
with that wild at heart that really is begging to be given more airtime. That's an aspect who had to learn to hide herself so that the other survival aspect could do her strategy to get the love. And as you're healing the survival strategy, as you're healing the 15-year-old who is operating off of outdated operating systems, we want the, the wild at heart to start to be developed too. And so as you sit with your grandmother on this porch, I want you to try to access who is she? What does she want? What does she think? What does she feel about being told what to do? What does she feel about being interacted in a way that feels like she's not valued? That's the voice we need to cultivate. So the way that I recommend you do this is that you try and set aside some time weekly. I'm not going to make you do it daily. Where it's just quiet, 10 minutes, even five I'll take. And I showed you exactly how to get there, right? You know how to get back? Close your eyes, three deep breaths, see yourself on the pasture, walk over and sit down and let whatever dialogue unfold that needs to unfold. Okay? Okay. And as you work on who is this wild at heart, she might just show up on that porch too. And that's the one, if you find her, when you find her, we want to get to know her better. And so I want you to write down these questions that you're going to start to ask her. Another way you can do this when you start to sense her is open a blank sheet of paper and do a Q&A. And the way you do this with a different aspect of yourself is you, present you, writes the question, first thing that comes to you, write the answer. Next question, answer. It's like you're interviewing this new aspect that you've not spent a lot of time with. But some of the things I'd love for you to be curious about, what do you want? What don't you want? What are some of the things that are making you stay small right now? This aspect of you doesn't have a ton of fear. So if a fear response comes out, somebody else got into the driver's seat and it's okay to reset. Does that make sense? Yeah. So if you get a fear response, that's 15, that's nine, that's someone else. And that's okay. That'll happen because all of them are trying to keep you safe. But what Wild at Heart is doing is she's trying to get you to embody your truth. She's trying to get you to thrive. The other ones want you to survive. And that is your choice. Do I want to survive or am I ready to thrive? Now let's get to the heart of the people pleaser who is happy to do whatever it takes for people to make them comfortable and then ultimately love her. What does she have to say about this? What's coming up for her right now as I'm working at the other aspect? What's she worried about? I can sense now that that, that fear of not people pleasing is very young. Like I I hear Absolutely. the feedback. I, love I hear the, the feedback and like it feels like a very 15-year-old response to what others say about you or me. Beautiful. Do you know how transformative that is that you can see it as a 15-year-old now? Yeah. Why? It just feels very childish. Like it feels like 
putting that responsibility on the hands of somebody else is a very childish way to play. Um, well, and putting the responsibility of a very stressful job, an adult person's life, adult decisions on the shoulders of a 15-year-old is also not fair. Right. So it's not an act of banishment for her. It's an act of love to say to her, you don't have to do this anymore. You're only 15. This is not your job to make these decisions about my life, to make these decisions at work. You can take a break. When we operate from survival mode, the most important takeaway is that we are operating from an outdated operating system. And what that means is that the person inside of us, the child usually, who created that strategy for survival was doing that based on the environment they were in with the information they had at the time. And when we then bring those strategies forward and use them in our current lives, we're using outdated strategies. So when you think of survival mode in the context of this form of coaching, it really is just meant to help you think about, and in this case for Carrie to think about, is the decision that needs to be made in the moment today one that should be made by Carrie at her current age with all the information she has, or by a younger version of herself that's operating off of information and an environment that has long since passed. If we want to thrive, it just means that we move into operating from alignment with our truth today and our relationship with our intuitive wisdom. It does also feel a little bit like some of the desires of that 15-year-old self, especially as she's trying to be seen by others who, you know, are seeing her as a 15-year-old, like some of those desires are still what Wild at Heart version of me wants, but they're just clouded by the way a 15-year-old knows how to get them. You know what I mean? What are those desires? Let's make a list. Yeah. There's a freedom and adventurousness that I deeply desire. The love piece is really important. Like community, love is a big part of it. Closeness, I think, is another word. So the needs are freedom, adventure, to be loved, community, connection, closeness. We understand intellectually that putting other people's needs ahead of your own is not a requirement to get those things. There is an energetic, emotional element coming forward on the loved piece that didn't quite believe the no even though you said you did, I saw your face. And there was the there was the community piece that was like, well, so let's go right to the heart of it. I'm going to ask you to actually tell me the opposite of what you want to say. Tell me how, just use your imagination, creativity. How does putting other people's needs ahead of your own stop you from building genuine community? I think it takes the me out of it, right? I think when I put other people's needs ahead of my own in trying to build community, I'm trying to get them to like me. But then the me part isn't me. It's who they want me to be. They want like what they want for me. And so it takes me out of it. Yeah. And when it takes you out of it, what are they actually getting then? Just a reflection of them. 
Right. Not yeah. you. Not me. Right. And if you had a community full of reflections of you, would that be a fulfilling community? No. That's Okay. What about being loved? Let's talk about even romantic partnership. If you put a, that person's needs ahead of your own, how is that not going to bring love forward? Same deal? Yeah. You disappear? Right. And then what kind of partner does that person get? Just like them, but in a different form. <laughs> yes, who loves having partners that are a mirror of them. Narcissists? Narcissists. Guess who loves having employees that are a mirror of them? I didn't use that word at all, Maury. It's a, uh, it's a, you got there, Barry. I, that's, yeah, I have a lot of narcissists in my life. No wow. joke. <laughs> you are the perfect person for a narcissist because you disappear and they get to stare at their own face. Yeah. Literally like the Greek myth. That's annoying. Into the lake. <laughs> yeah. So what you think you're getting, the love, the community, the acceptance, are you getting those things? No. No. They're just loving on themselves. Right. They're not actually giving you love or acceptance. If you show up in a meeting and someone that you work for says to you, even subconsciously, this is the way I want you to present and to come forward and to express yourself. And you do it like that. They're just in a meeting with themselves. Now, let me ask you a question. Whose problem is it if being in a meeting with someone other than yourself is uncomfortable? It's their problem. And how are they ever going to grow out of that? Yeah. If they never are forced to. It's a great point. Okay. So what's the alternative? I've got to show up. Here's mm. – I've done a great job surrounding myself with narcissists. Great job. And now I see how I've gotten mm -hmm. to that point. Mm -hmm. Thank you for that revelation. Mm -hmm. And I'm just going to try to bring it all full circle even though I know that's your job. Um it feels like <laughs> Look standing at you up trying to, to do my job for me to make me comfortable. <laughs> Just for a second. <laughs> I feel like what my grandmother is saying is like, stop trying to do that. Show up as yourself. And my 15 year old self is like, but that's, but what if they fire me? And then my grandmother's like, it's going to be fine. It'll be fine. Like yes. you'll figure it out. It's kind of coming back up. Yeah. Because your, your intuition is channeling through your grandmother right now because yeah. that's, the, that's who you trust more than it and it's really smart. So it's like, okay, I'm going to show up as your grandmother. So yeah. that's your intuition telling you, so you get fired. Are you meaning to tell me that you do not have the skills or the expertise to thrive somewhere else? Yeah, right. That's not even close to true. Yeah, that's not even close to true. So if you show up as yourself and you get fired, what has surviving there been like? Fulfilling? No. Okay. And the question that popped into my mind so is like- not fulfilled. Yeah. If I get fired, like what's, who's going to really take the brunt of that? And it's not even me. It's like, I'm worried about the people there 
that like I'll leave behind, which is again, me not prioritizing what I want, who I am. Let me tell you something. I am married to someone who says that a lot, always worried about his team, love him for it. And what I tell him is all you're doing is providing a sealant around the truth. So they will operate in their bubble and eventually they will have to see the truth of the environment they're in. You're just acting as a, a block, right. a filter. How much has seeing the truth of where you are helped your self-discovery and growth? Would we be having this conversation if you hadn't been exposed to the realities of your environment? I definitely don't think so. Okay. So in protecting your team, you're just trying to keep them small? Yeah, that's really selfish. It's not meaning to be selfish. You're a really lovely human. I just said this about <laughs> the love of my life. So I don't think he's selfish either. No. But we don't realize that yeah. in protecting other people, we're saying to them, don't grow. I yeah. don't want to make you uncomfortable because that's the only way you grow, right? Yeah. You have to stretch to grow, I think. Yeah. So they're just operating in an illusion thanks to you. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. The ultimate way of being loving, I always say this, I say this as a parent, love is warrior work. Love is being able to have the strength to stand by people as they grow and evolve and experience hardship. Love is not protecting them from the hardship. So you very much are a loving person. But if you really love these people, then they have to be able to grow. That's the ultimate act of love. And they won't see it that way, by the way. It's like a seven-year-old who wants one more donut, right? And you have to say no. They don't in the moment say, why, thank you so much for caring for my health. They're stomping and screaming and crying. Why, why, why? Yeah. I also get the sense that they don't see it that way that like I care more about what they think than they actually care you know what I mean like it's like I'm trying to prevent protect them yeah. preventatively and they don't like they don't notice it they don't necessarily want it they don't know that I'm doing that so it's just it's an in my head projection that I've built up yeah and who's the one that you're ignoring while you're trying to do all that for people who never asked for it anyway? Yeah. Wild at heart is over there saying, excuse me, I have all these needs. You're ignoring me. Yeah. yeah. Yep. True. So there's a couple of strategies I want you to continue to implement into your day-to-day. -day. The first is that at least once weekly visualization. The second is the Q&A with Wild at Heart mm -hmm. and starting to get to know her. The third is that this list of desires, I'd like you to keep adding to it as they pop into your mind. And every time that you're about to make a decision that puts other people's best interest ahead of yours, I just want you to look at your list and ask, how is putting these people's needs ahead of mine going to stop me from getting these things? 
And then if you make the choice to do it, at least you're doing it from a point of total accountability and awareness. Yeah. All right. So I want you to take a deep breath and just tell me what is the biggest reflection or realization from our session together today? (laughs) I think the biggest reflection is that I have been showing up as a 15-year-old in a lot of my life, Maury, both personally and professionally. And I feel like, you know, grown-up version of me has all of these things that she wants and like even ideas on how to do them. And like 15-year-old self is just trying to not not want her to let go of what she has because what she has is pretty good but like you're I think you said this like how your 15 year old version of me is protecting me versus wanting me to thrive is I feel that the distinction there I would also say the second one is that you've led me down a path to figure out how and why I surround myself with narcissists because <laughs> I, I know they're there uh, and I have to talk to someone weekly about how to deal with them. But like I've never gotten to why they're there and how I got to be in a place with them um, around me. And so that's been really enlightening as well. As you work with 15 year old you, please, please please make sure she knows she's not disposable. We're not trying to get rid of her. All that we want to do is get give her a break from this very heavy responsibility and let her just exist alongside you without feeling that she needs to run the show. Yeah. Okay. Yep. I will. Thanks for listening to Signal. This podcast is hosted by me, Maury Fontanez, and produced by myself, Anais Aslami, and the talented team at Terra Firma, Casey Helmick and Lauren Hall. Please join us again next week for another great episode of Signal. Signal.